This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Fair weather to you, I'm Ben McEachern. And I'm his apoplectic friend, Mark Hadley. Welcome to episode 150 of The Big Picture for the week beginning December 18. And coming up on today's show... We go bush with Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. The inspiring true story of quadriplegic set free in Breathe. And what you've been waiting for for a whole year... The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is here, Mark. You've seen it. You're going to be talking about it later on the I show. I will be crashing into the show later in my X-Wing as I explain exactly what is going on in The Last Jedi. Or actually none of it because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah, there should be a spoiler-free <laughs> review coming later in the show. And also, welcome to our second-to-last show. Yes, the big picture is finishing finishing up on your radio station, but... More of that later in the show. Please contain your shock. Don't, don't be crying and weeping now for Do not. us, Argentina. Do not. <laughs> there is plenty of good news on the way about the future of the big picture, which in short is remarkably bright. So stick around for that. You'll be hearing a lot more about what's going on with the big picture next year. What's going on, Mark, at cinemas at the moment? Please tell me, Ben. While loads of people have been waiting like crazy for The Last Jedi, I have been super pumped all year about Paddington 2, which hit cinemas last week. I reviewed it on the show last week. If you missed that glowing review, go to thebigpicturewebsite.com, check it out. But in short, Paddington 2 basically lived up to my expectations of how delightful and lovable I wanted the sequel to Paddington to be. Paddington 2 is at cinemas now, and if you are doing some last-minute movie buying and you actually want to buy some actual, not virtual gifts, as in you want to go to a shop or even order online, but a tangible copy of a movie, let me recommend some to you. I reckon the the best that you release at the moment, just in time for Christmas, easily is Dunkirk. Mm. And then, oh, yeah. If you've got like a parent who's particularly into sort of uh, World War II history or something like that, of which I have several, yeah. uh, I would definitely, in fact, at least seven. <laughs> <laughs> By last count. Um, and then from, actually, I said I was going to do some recommendations, but looking at my quick list, I've jotted down of movies just released for Christmas. I don't have, they're not huge recommendations. They're I just, did just look at that list. They're just movies. So there's Kingsman 2, Victoria and Abdul, the Emoji movie, and Captain Underpants, which Captain, you quite liked. Captain Underpants is, look, that's the one you want to buy for your kids. If you're going, oh, okay, what's one that they could watch five times over and annoy me with their repeated lines? Captain Underpants. Yeah, and all the rest of them, well, they were just out for Christmas. But go back to the bit about Dunkirk. Speaking of out for Christmas on TV, on the ABC this week, the Plumpton Baby series. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. Is this like the the seven up, fourteen up series? Well, it's kind of the, the Plumpton Babies were basically uh, uh, three young women who, in year ten, became pregnant and became part of a uh, a unique program to keep teenage mothers at school in Plumpton. Okay. Oh and no, this, I do not remember. Okay, this. well, this is an amazing series, fantastic stuff. Uh, and so, if you remember the original Plumpton Babies series, which was in fact. 10 years ago, Plumpton Babies 10 years on. So how did they? How have they gone as young mums? I don't know. How have they gone? Well, we will find right. out on the Good. ABC Good. this week, Tuesday 19th. You can check that out. Uh, and here's something just in time for Christmas, literally, on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us, Season 1. The Toys That Made Us. Okay, so think about this, right? There are actually, it's a great nostalgic moment to go back and look at the particular toys that kind of changed a generation. I'm sure there's a yo-yo in there somewhere, okay? but Or Star Wars figures. 
figures or things like that. Which generation are we talking? Well, we're talking about many generations because it's covering everything from Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, right. Barbie, He-Man. Did, yeah. you ever, did you ever have a He-Man? Yeah, figure? man. Of course I did. Yes, Skeletor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Star Trek. Of course, everyone had that. Hello Kitty and Lego. I don't know. Lego. <laughs> whatever that was. Star Trek. Yeah. That's not so true. it's basically on Netflix. Uh, it's a fantastic little series. And a look back. If you're looking for some no- nostalgic TV after you've eaten too much pudding, this is what you watch. Now, the biggest thing around at cinemas at the moment is a little movie you might like to call Star Wars The Last Jedi. Mark's going to be talking about that later on in the show. But as a true or false challenge right at the top of the show before we get onto our first review, a set director called Roger Christian, you might not know his name, but he is the man behind such iconic Star Wars designs as the lightsaber, the uh, Millennium Falcon, wow. and the R2-D2 prototype. Oh, the moving trash can. That that guy. Well, speaking of trash cans, <laughs> this is my true or false. He says, Roger Christian, that his toughest job was creating the trash compactor scene. That was really difficult to uh, for him to create. So, Christian was really keen to make the scene look as authentic, right? So, he filled it with... <laughs> As all trash compactors have water, rubber, polystyrene, injected paint into it, and that sort of stuff. What did this result in? Did it result in, A, the combination of materials and water smelling so bad that Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, burst a blood vessel in his face trying to hold his breath? That's one. Yikes. Did it result in Mark Hamill suffering a cracked rib as he slid down the garbage chute and landed incorrectly on a pile of materials? Or... Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford, Han Solo, complaining bitterly that the water was so cold they were developing chillblains. Can I just say that landing incorrectly? It's like it's like saying, you know, oh, you broke your rib. Well, you landed incorrectly. Yeah, I know. Does so know how to do one that? of those is land true. Incorrectly. Which one was it? A, a burst blood vessel in the face of Mark Hamill? Did he land incorrectly? Or did Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford complain about the bitter cold in the trash compactor? We will find out. After we talk about this. Kids of the 90s are basically losing their minds right now. Right now. They're they're probably running in the streets. Jumanji was a defining family adventure movie from 1995, starring Robin Williams as a guy trapped inside an intense game. Jumanji entertained stacks of youngsters during the past 22 years and has become a repeat view in heaps of homes. I can say it certainly happened so in mine. Well, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, is a big Boxing Day release this year. The Rock and Doctor Who's Karen Gillan star in the new life-size game of finding out who you really are by becoming someone else. Are you going to help or are you too pretty? I'm too pretty. Yo, what's this? A game for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. Jumanji. You pick a character and you're that person in the game. Which one do I pick? I don't think it matters that much. Oops, Finbar. Sounds like a badass. I'll be the curvy genius. Dr. Smolder Bravestone. I guess I'm Ruby Roundhouse. Okay, Jumanji, welcome to the Jungle, Mark, uh, focuses initially on four highly different high schoolers who get detention. So I think it's a little bit a new school breakfast club for anyone who's seen that 1980s movie. And they discover a game cartridge of Jumanji. Anyone who's seen the original Jumanji will know it was a board game, but it, through it's explained loosely at the start of why it's now a gaming cartridge. Anyway, they start playing the game in detention. They get sucked into the game. As per the original film. As Well, well actually, yeah, it's not exactly, but yeah. We'll get to that. 
But they get sucked into the game as the avatars that they picked, as the characters in the game that they picked. So this high school has become in a different adult. They come into different adult forms in the world of Jumanji, the jungle they end up in. Okay, so, so someone turns up like an adventurer or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so that's The Rock. He's, oh, okay. he's Dr. Bravestone. Uh, there's <laughs> Kevin Hart. Uh, who uh, uh, The Rock and Kevin Hart were in Central Intelligence a couple of years ago, and Kevin Hart is now this kind of whining sidekick. Karen Gillan from Doctor Who, she's Ruby Roundhouse. She's this like, a little bit like Lara Croft. And Jack Black is uh, an, an archaeologist, but he w- was, at least in the initial stages, a teenage girl. So a teenage girl is transformed into the form of Jack Black in the world of Jumanji. I uh, think I'd watch it for that. They, they, oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I've got so many things to say about that, but we've got other things to, well, to let, talk let, about. Let's We're, jump straight in then. Okay. Will, will people love the first one? This uh, uh, So love this one as much as the first one? Uh, I would seriously imagine not, although although um, early re- reviews of the film have been glowing and, and gushing, and these are from a lot of people, from what I've read, who really like the original film. Um, I was with a regular on the big picture um, across the, the history of the big picture, Sam Robinson. We were at the same screening. He loves Jumanji. He and I both did not like this sequel at all. I'm totally with Sam. I thought it was daggy, tired, cliched, a little bit icky and creepy, and I thought it barely tried to offer any strong reason that it's a new movie, that there's oh. this return to Jumanji 22 years later. In short, I found it really joyless. Well, listen, icky and creepy are not normally things I associate with the children's film I'm picking for my family. Um, does the original movie get any sort of look in, or has it been turned inside out? Because I thought yeah. you were supposed but, to be – the game came out Yeah, that's right. That's right. There are nods to the original, of course, and that's right. And those who remember the original were Robin Williams. The game kind of came into suburban life, and all these animals were, were flooding a suburb in America, a town in America, and that was like – you know, it was very, very entertaining. On this occasion, they get drawn into the game, and that's one of my issues with the film is the game, given how sophisticated video games have become in the last 20 years, the film itself doesn't really – really play too much with the ideas of being trapped inside a video game. It's not even as good as Tron when you go through the storyline and the setups that they're <laughs> oh, in. Oh, ouch. It's, it's, it's not, Tron, Tron's a great film, but this, this is not. There's no threat. The villain is terrible and barely seen, and he is a great actor called Bobby Carnavale. He was totally wasted in this mediocre quest that this band of kid adults uh, who have to go, they have to return some jewel to save Jumanji and themselves and blah, blah. Like, it, it's just got bonding and meandering and some basic action set pieces throughout the film. But there's also, it's PG-rated, but there's also really icky moments. One of them is Jack Black playing a teen girl that I just found creepy and, yeah. and not as funny as people seem to, f- some people think it might be. I thought it was going to be at least, like, kind of funny. Yeah, you'd be just playing off stereotypes. But not that, not that funny. And so I did not, I thought his performance was cringeworthy. Karen Gillan from Doctor Who is in an outfit that I think would make Lara Croft blush. Oh. And she's really been shoehorned in the film. I think she's actually yeah, puts shoehorned in a pretty, into her outfit. She puts in a really good performance, I think, but she is up there in a PG rated film. I think basically so teen boys can get a glimpse at a lady not wearing very much. It's not saying too much about this film. Oh gosh, okay. Well, kids save the day in the form of adults. Where's the lesson in that? That's Well, that, that's the thing. It's a movie that's about uh, believing in yourself. You've got to do that at some point in your life, and then you can basically go on and do whatever you want. That's the sum total of Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. But you're right. They do that by finding themselves in the bodies of other adults that they're never going to inhabit. It's just it's a weird universe, really, if you think about it, that they've got this opportunity to be someone that they're not, and then they can somehow believe in themselves. Totally not in the same vein of the actual universe that we live in. If you want to take this message into our real world, you can't really. In God's universe, the way things have been 
being set up. It, God's not against self self belief, like us believing in what we can do and what we can achieve and stuff. But He calls us to believe in another self. Jesus to find our better selves and up against Jumanji as much as I didn't like the film and found it just uh, I don't know why people will bother going to see this sequel the message itself for me didn't resonate because when you push it to its logical extreme you're like you, you can't take this message outside of the movie into the real world mm. and that for me is a downer among many others in this disappointing box office release Boxing Day release well The Rock Jack Black Karen Gillan and Kevin Hart star in Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle it's rated PG for mild fantasy violence sexual references you've been warned and coarse language and invites you to enter its world from Boxing Day oh man and the scene where Jack Black is trying to teach Karen Gillan how to flirt you will not be able to scrape that from your mind (laughs) Uh, but you will remember before I was uh, not saying many nice things about Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle I posed the true or false about the Star Wars universe is about Roger Christian, uh, a set designer who came up with a Millennium Falcon interior, lightsaber, etc., etc. It was about a really famous scene that he created in the first Star Wars movie. Because he wanted to be, make an authentic trash compactor, put all this stuff in it, did it lead to Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, bursting a blood vessel in his face as he tried to hold his breath? Did it lead to Mark Hamill like sliding in the garbage chute and landing incorrectly on materials, or Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford complaining bitterly about the cold? Now, I'm wondering if I'm going to access my my Star Wars lore here and suggest that it was the last one? Was it Mark and Han basically saying, I'm too cold? No, you're really accessing the wrong Star Wars oh, database there, Mark. It was no, Star Trek. No, it was number one. The combination of materials and water smelled so bad that Mark Hamill burst a blood vessel in his face holding his breath. So tip for young players, don't hold your breath so hard that you burst a blood vessel. That's a warning from Mark Hamill. Embrace the compactor. And coming up, the true life story of the first man to conquer quadriplegia and the last Jedi hits the big screen. Yay! Hey, welcome back to The Big Picture. If you've just joined us or or you've missed any past back editions of The Big Picture, go and find The Big Picture podcast wherever you get awesome podcasts from, only where you get awesome podcasts. Now, one of our favourite pastimes on The Big Picture is the national humiliation of Ben McKechn. Well, (laughs) well, you you, you really like that. Yeah. Personal I'm not, I'm not such a huge fan of that. No. Off and on, we've used our soundtrack segment to test his and your knowledge of soundtracks behind some of film and TV's most famous productions. Two years ago, we put together this mashup, I did anyway, to try Ben out on the best sci-fi themes ever. Okay? Oh, yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah, you remember, because you bombed so horribly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still... still uh, it was a bit too soon but to talk now... about it, but good... We- don't talk yourself down because now you're much older and wiser. Yeah. It's two years Why on. Why are you bringing it up now, though? Because I thought we'd just play the thing again and see if you actually know them. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, think about what? it. You've had two years to actually get these soundtracks into your head. I've been trying to get get the, the massive failure out of my mind, let <laughs> no, alone go well, and research. We're going to play oh, exactly the same oh, mashup again. Seriously? Call this a social experiment. How many of the following themes are recognisable to you? There are eight of them, so we're going to run run them all together. How many can you get? And in fact, how many can Ben get? Can you beat Ben? Here goes. Pencils at the ready.
Uh, <laughs> I'm just like so, that's a trip down my personal growing years. How did you go out in the audience? How did you find that? Did you did you recognise any of them? Ben is just thrilled because I'm sure his last score was two. So we can do better than two, can't we, Ben? Two years on. We may not be able to, Mark, because what I remembered as we went through that list is one of my strongest memories, vivid memories, is, oh, these are all things that you really like, and (laughs) I still can't really quite recall. So I think the first one was Star Wars. Yes, okay, and I I thought that that would be an easy one to begin with. So if you've got Star Wars, it's it's a little nod to the the Last Jedi that's coming out, so it's come out. But I obviously obviously question my uh, abilities to pick sci-fi themes because I'm even feeling a bit awkward about Star Wars. So the second one... No idea. Oh, I, my, still, my favourite Martian. Yeah, of course, my yeah, favourite Martian. Of course, has everyone watched that growing up? Was this the third one? I don't know, like Lost in Space, that TV show. No, okay, Star Trek. Star Trek. You know, I never watched Star Trek. Well, you see, that's one of your characters. They force. are often lost in space in Star <laughs> they Trek, are, are they not? Not quite lost. Okay. Okay. What about the fourth Come one? On. And now the next one I, is. I must admit, it was a bit obscure. Yeah, really? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm feeling like the same way about four and five. <laughs> okay. And all I, the notes I had for five is some funky sci-fi seventy show that Mark loves, but I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> okay, so what's listen, four and five? Well, the f- the fourth one that came through was Heroes. Ah, okay. okay yep. So I guess people were pretty obsessive about heroes. I'm sure there are people out there going, yeah, yeah, I remember all of that. That's sure. fine. Or you at least remember yes, it. Yes, I was sitting there with them watching it at yep. the time, me and the three other people who watched the series. Okay, now Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, funky, right, yeah. Funky yeah. 70s feature. You got that right down. I'm going to give you a point for oh, that. Oh, thanks, man. And okay. uh, X-Files was the – this is probably the two that I got last time, Star Wars <laughs> and X-Files, like for sure, for number six. Well, you've got then, three so far because I've given you Hitchhiker's oh, Guide. So wow. You're, you're ahead. I am ahead from two years ago when we first played this sci-fi mashup on this soundtrack segment <laughs> and I bombed spectacularly. Now I'm almost hitting 50% until I get to the last two where I've still got question marks on my notes. And this, the seventh one said something about what is the future, but I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? And so seven and eight, I or I, I wish I could even have a hazard a guess. If I mark. gave you, if I gave you a hint and said that the last second last one was kind of close to the Simpsons, but uh, oh, comment, a Futurama. There you go. I'll give you that because oh. it's a Christmas mood. Thank I you, think. mate. There you go. And the last one, of course, you had no chance, but it was in fact one of the best ones ever, and that's Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century. Wow, mate. Thanks for uh, no, no help get, whatsoever. <laughs> well, thanks for helping me get to at least the fifty percent. So I definitely won't feel as terrible as I did two years ago when we first played that sci-fi mashup. Man, that was quite the blast from the past, but now, Mark, on to the future. Next week's show is going to be the final time the big picture is on your airwaves. I repeat, the big picture radio show will wind up next week, but do not panic or despair or shed any tears. Do not do any of those things. There is so much good news. It could almost take us, Mark, the rest of the show to announce it, but I'm not going to take up the rest of the show. Just let me summarize. The big picture next year is going even more visual, even more visual. As you probably already know, the big picture, we create video content which provides you with chewy and deep insights into movies, TV, and popular culture. Next year, we're going to up the ante. You'll be seeing a lot more of us, so don't worry about that. You'll be seeing a lot more of us. So go and find us on Facebook if you haven't already, The Big Picture Show, or track us down through iStore or iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from sign up subscribe to the podcast or find us on big picture as a big picture show on facebook so that you can get all the updates about what we're doing next year yeah here's the big promise people if you actually sign up and go to the podcast you will be in front row center seat ready to see ben's ironic t-shirts in 2018 yes you'll actually be able to see what we look like mm-hmm. now for You're many welcome. Sh- for many shows that would be a positive 
<laughs> but there'll be there'll be even more enticements that we can share a little bit later in the show. So stick around for that. Finally, on this episode of The Big Picture, we've come to the moment you've been waiting for. The Last Jedi is actually not what we're about to talk about right now. So, uh, you tease. So actually, no, we haven't reached that moment you're wanting yet. But look, just stick around. It's coming later in the show. But if you're the sort of person who goes to the cinema to think, as well as swing a lightsaber along with Ray, then you will be very interested in what's up next. The biopic Breathe is a story of Robin Cavendish, a man contra- who contracted a crippling case of polio in the 1950s and who was literally rescued by his wife from a life in a hospital bed. His second take on life inspired thousands of hopeless quadriplegic patients and taught the medical industry a new way to see the disabled, which is a world, which is a world closer to God's view. People paralysed by polio don't last long. Can't move anything from the neck down. Can't even breathe for yourself. How do you live like this? Yes, you, Stuart. I love you, and I want Jonathan to know you. You can't love this. Yes, I can. There must be something I can do. Get me out of here. Robin's going to leave the hospital. No one with your husband's disability exists outside a hospital. Has anyone ever tried? So, Mark, I've never heard of Robin Cavendish, uh, but this film, Breathe, is obviously based on a true story. Yeah, it's very true and very disturbing. It's directed by Andy Serkis, who most people probably better know as Gollum. The guy who played Gollum. <laughs> the guy who played Gollum. This is his directorial debut. Right on. And it's the story of Robin Cavendish, who's played by Andrew Garfield. Better known as Spider-Man. Well, not the now okay. Spider-Man, the former Spider-Man, that guy. Yeah. Anyway, Andrew so Garfield. Gollum and the f- former Spider-Man yes. are in a film with the Queen. Yes, Claire Foy. Oh, so actually, right. There you go, who plays Diana Cavendish. So, Robin and Diana get married. In, in the 50s, uh, and while he is working in Kenya with her, he contracts polio, uh, and the doctors say, look, you're going to be dead in three months. He's, oh. quad- he's paralysed from the neck down. He can't even breathe. He actually has to have a machine to do that for him, and it looks basically like um, his life is over until his wife decides that that's not good enough because he has a young son, and he is going to live, and so she kidnaps him Kidnapped. from hospital, where he's basically going to spend the rest of his life in a bed, uh, and helps him discover not only the will to live, but the way to do it. So the film's trying to make a point about the way we've treated the disabled in the past, but also now? Absolutely. Our attitude was basically uh, that they were less than people, or they yeah. were the leftovers of real oh, man, people. Man, that's a terrible attitude. My I, goodness. I, I know. it was. And if you see <sighs> this, just as an experiment of seeing how we used to treat people who suffered from quadriplegia, um, you would basically think that there was basically like racking vegetables and putting them away for a better day or something like that, or oh. never again. In fact, there's a truly um, a horrific scene uh, about the German institutions where they had them mounted into walls because it was easier just to deal with their heads. Like people stuffed in walls. Rows and rows of heads with, you know, so people can just be dealt with more efficiently. So then does Breathe sort of become, though, like a lot of films do about people with disabilities, particularly when they're based on a true story, it's got that feel of the triumph of the human spirit. That's usually why these films exist, right? Yeah, indeed. So one of the key factors that comes out is Robin Cavendish and his wife are in Instrumental in, in creating the first motorized wheelchair. Right. Okay, so that he can go around and, and, hmm. and renew his life. Also, in the process, they decide that they want to go further and faster than the wheelchair can, so they create the first car for the disabled so that, you know, they can fit in the car and not be transported around like luggage, but sit in the front, you know, and enjoy things like that. Uh, it's very liberating, uh, literally liberating. Uh, people who were otherwise institutionalized around the world with no hope whatsoever are set free by their devices. Now, this. 
like faintly rem- and and like go with me on this reminds me of this movie that was out um, this year or last year called Me Before You, which was truly terrible. That was about uh, a guy suffering from a quadriplegia, uh, but it was it's a much different kettle of fish. But it's ringing some bells on that front. But that one ended on a note of euthanasia. Does breathe kind of head in a direction of a big questioning of life and death and quality of life for people with disabilities? Yeah, breathe is one of those films that I would like to say I loved ninety percent of this film and then it took a dive in the last 10, you know, oh, 15 minutes. It? Because it does end towards... Um, a man decides that he is going to, to live for the sake of his family and for the sake of others... And then he uh, euthanasia enters the 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 film and and gets celebrated equally alongside of the triumph he's made in finding the life that God could still give him even in this context. Um, oh, look, it, it ends in a disappointing way. So I, I guess I want to say you can't get behind everything in this film, but it's still very much worth seeing because his wife is actually the hero of the film and actually says to him, you know, um, stay alive for the sake of what you can give to others. So beware the last fifteen minutes then of Breathe, which stars Andrew Garfield, Claire Foy, Tom Hollander and Hugh Bonneville. It's rated M for mature themes and it does open nationally on Boxing Day. Well, coming up, no more teasing. The Last Jedi is next and the first step in a whole new big picture. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for joining us on The Big Picture. Well, you might not have picked up, if you're just tuning in, that this is, in fact, the second last show of The Big Picture. Well, I know, and, and I, we've all had it, wept our tears in the last week or so. Not really, because we kind of like turned around and went, hey, we're finally free to do something we really want to do. Not that no we more want to te- do the show. <laughs> no, Mark, you're really not selling this very well, mate. We love doing this show for the past three years. It's but been what, fantastic. But what we've really enjoyed doing is developing it and taking The Big Picture a new step and a new step week by week. Well, what we're doing next year is we're taking the whole show visual. So, visual. So basically, uh, if you've been smart enough to hook into the um, podcast so far, then you'll realise that basically there's all sorts of extra content that comes out on the podcasts. We're going to be making the podcast far more regular. Uh, it's going to be shorter, sharper stuff, and it's going to be going through the week. So it's no longer just playing an episode and then having to hang around for six whole days until another one turns up. My goodness, some people must just be whinging and wailing for a whole week. When are we going to get our next dose of the big picture? Next year you'll be seeing us three times a week and you'll be getting all sorts of stuff. It'll be nice and short and sharp, perfect for your train journey or as you walk from the bedroom to the kitchen. (laughs) <laughs> the big picture could be a long trip. You need a big house. That's but, right. There we go. <laughs> the big picture 2018 coming at you in many more ways. You'll be seeing a lot more of us in 2018. Now, Mark, just before we get to The Last Jedi, <laughs> just kidding. Don't switch off. Come back, come back. We've arrived. We're, we're here. We're here. The most hotly anticipated film of 2017, apart from Paddington 2, the most hotly anticipated <laughs> film of 2017 has finally arrived on the big screen. Not a, I'll stop the Paddington 2 references. And we're going to put it under the, our big microscope here at The Big Picture. When The Force Awakens finished, budding Jedi Ray had finally discovered the hidden location of The Last Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker. And in the closing moments of that film, she returned his long-lost lightsaber. In The Last Jedi, with that job done, she goes home to the planet Jakku, puts the kettle on, puts her feet up, and begins crocheting a doily to cover BB-8 so she can turn him into a rolling footrest. Okay, none of that's actually true. Or maybe it is. The point is, it's going to be pretty hard for us to review The Last Jedi without giving away a few of the details. But Mark Hadley is prepared to do his best. No spoilers. Promise. You promise, Mark? Mm. Promise. Come on, promise. (laughs) But if you're worried, put your fingers in your ears 
now. Let the past die. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be. Darkness rises. And light to meet it. I need someone to show me my place in all this. Come on! This is not going to go the way you think. Okay, let's check off what you're looking for in a good Star Wars film. Does it start with in a galaxy long, longer? In a far, galaxy far, 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 far away. away. Come yes. on, mate, you almost failed your first Star know, Wars test. Well, no, all I have to say is check. Okay, <laughs> it's got that. Sure. Um, okay. There you go. Does it have a brilliant vision of life amongst the stars? Check. Great. Are we're going so well so far. New ships, new robots, new impressive weapons from the bad guys. Check, check, check. In fact, check out the First Order's new Dreadnought-class Star Destroyer. Whoa. Check. Is that a spoiler, Mark? It is a tiny bit. But no, like, no, it's not a spoiler. You, uh, it's I can see incredible... Why you didn't, I can see why you didn't promise. It's like, Okay. You can't help yourself. There you go. What about the Jedi? Okay. How about some impressive battles rather than the broomstick fights we had in A New Hope? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were a bit broomsticky. Well, Checkity-check. They're there, and, okay. c- and can old man Luke fight? Can he watch? Oh, Mark Hamill still got it? Oh, he does. In now fact, he doesn't have a broomstick? He's got better with age. Shit on him. So there you go. And how about the return of some cool characters? Yep, they're all there, all the best old guys, plus some new characters too, with a couple of surprises that I did not see coming. A love story... Ooh. Okay. Most of all, do we get some answers? Do we? Who Ray's parents are? Yes. Oh, you will out. finally find okay. out. Why Luke is no longer training the Jedi? Yes, you will find that out. What really happened when Kylo Ren was a part of one in training? Yes, indeedy. <laughs> Who Supreme Leader Snope is, where he comes from, and what his ultimate goal is? Okay, let's not get overboard here. You're not going to find out any of that. Okay, but... An awesome film, a worthy successor, and possibly the last 30 minutes alone make it one of the best Star Wars films ever. Well, Mark, you are gushing like the fanboy (laughs) you are. Can Star Wars films reasonably expect, though, to just get better and better? Look, in all honesty, watching Star Wars is like watching someone on a tight, you know, a high rope. Um, basically, as they're going along, you're wondering when they're going to finally lose balance and fall over. Okay, because... Into what? Like the Phantom Menace? Yes, that's basically <laughs> it. Are you going to be Jar Jar Binks <laughs> or Han Solo? Mm. Mm, I know, and it's always that potential out there, but honestly... The this... Binks factor is so big in the Santa Claus <laughs> universe, isn't it? Yeah, well, it, you wonder how long they can go, but Disney is such a machine in carefully, carefully crafting scripts that I think it's in safe hands. This, The Last Jedi is better than The Force Awakens, well, in there my you, opinion. You heard it first from Mark Hadley, The okay. Last Jedi better than The Force Awakens. It's on par with Rogue One. On par with Rogue One. And just a tiny bit beneath The Empire Strikes Only Back. Only a tiny bit. I the know. Empire Strikes Back largely re- received worldwide by everybody who knows anything that Empire Strikes Back is pretty much the Star Wars movie. And they're it's basically, only a smidge beneath Well, it. it's a middle film and, and it is incredibly well you know, constru- constructed. A middle as film that. as in you're talking about another Star Wars trilogy where the first bit was The Force Awakens, now we've got Last Jedi and there's another film to follow. Very difficult to do them right. Right. Okay, so it's taken a leaf out of Marvel's books too. It's tried to be funny. And I'm not talking awkward George Lucas dad joke funny either. Oh, good. Okay, so there's moments... Actually, I heard the audience laugh out loud three or four times just through the film. It was great. You mean like the sort of sense of humour like the Avengers or Thor has? Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing where they're actually the jokes 
jokes. They're not taking themselves terribly seriously in some parts. It's very human. And that brings me to the next point, that the characters have real character development. So they're real problems and real struggles, um, not just, you know, I got a bad feeling about this. It's It's like real a sense that these people are growing through the films. And all of this set, I imagine, in the Star Wars universe where there's this continuing battle between good and evil, the light and the dark side of the Force. Is that sort of the backdrop of The Last Jedi? No. Spoiler! Okay. Like, really? No. Well, not really. The Force... I thought I'd heard the Force was coming back with vengeance in well, this one. The Force is a significant motivator in the film, but it's actually a film about family. Oh, so the Force awakened and then's gone to sleep again. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. The Force is definitely there. All those people who are just tearing <laughs> up their tickets, the which they snoozing. bought online years in advance. No, no, no. Get the sticky tape right. out. So it's the, family, the family awakens yeah, in The, the fa- Last Jedi. People's needs for mothers and fathers becomes a really big issue in this film. Oh, yeah. Um, and heroes and villains alike. People's need to feel that they can trust someone and live for someone. Uh, in fact, there's a really interesting line that's said by a character I will not name. Um, this was never about destroying what we hate, but about saving what we love. Uh, and what she is, in fact, talking about at this point is very much about the family structure and about those people that we reach out for to make part of our family. It's also about the past and the future. And this is where it gets a little strange. Strange, um, because there's a lot of talk about the dead hand of the past and the mistakes that we've made that are always holding people back, ruining the future, and our need for a fresh start. So there's a lot of that going on on both sides, both the positive, as in the good guys and the bad guys, are all talking about how we've got to leave the past behind. The dead hand of the past is almost like a, almost like a spiritual expression. And, and as much as you're saying that the Force is, is sort of slumbering here in the Last Jedi, is there much on the spiritual front? Because you know. Star Wars is so infused with um, something beyond ourselves, a sort of supernatural spiritual element. Uh, is there anything up, up there spiritual-wise, and particularly is there, is there much of concern? Now, watch me very, very carefully dance around revelations within the film. Not I love actually, watching you dance. <laughs> without actually giving anything terrible mm-hmm. away. I've got to say that there are there is one major spiritual concern that comes out in this film. Okay, If you've watched The Force Awakens, you know, there's no secret, that Luke disappeared searching for the Holy world of the Jedi, the last, you know, the first place where they started studying the Force. Yeah. And he's on that world. We know. He's arrived there. On that world's a collection of books. I'm not going to go too much further than that. But basically, uh, they contain all the wisdom of the Jedi religion, right? Um, and one character with great standing in the Star Wars universe basically says that these wise, these books have got some wise things in them, but honestly, they're not really page turners. And in fact, they're not really that necessary. And anything that's good in these ancient texts about, you know, religion, uh, you can pretty much work out yourself. You probably know it already, in fact. And in fact, it would be a mistake to build your life around these books. Now, if I'm a, say, oh, I don't know, a Christian sitting in the audience watching The Last Jedi and hearing all this talk about books and uh, seeming irrelevance and uh, they're a bit stuffy and they don't really have anything to say to you about the way I live my life, could I in some way interpret this as a crack at the way I live my life around the Bible's teachings, for Honestly, example? it's a pretty broad sweep at religion in any form. Just religion in general, that, more that, so. That thinks that sacred writings are what you should build your right, life on. Right. And in particular, I think it's it's pretty clear it's the Bible. Um, a wise Christian is going to realize that the spirit of the age is talking here, throwing off any wisdom that suggests it's wiser than what our hearts believe. So, like, our hearts are the most important thing, not what any book says. Um, and that, in short, honestly, is the dark side. And the Bible warns you against that because our heart 
isn't going to lead us towards God. Our hearts, as they are, are going to take us away from him. And to quote Yoda, the dark side is just basically quicker, easier, more seductive. And if once you start down that dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. The Last Jedi did open last Thursday, and it's now screening everywhere, like literally everywhere. Like Hoyt's the other day was knocking up another cinema in my lounge room when I came home. If you want to watch something else, like we'll go and watch TV. But for those who are going along to see The Last Jedi, it stars, of course, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and a bajillion others. It's rated M for the inexplicable science fiction themes, whatever on earth that, that kind of means. Since that's basically completely unhelpful, here's, here's Mark's attempt at describing what's in the film. There are dark scenes that will probably scare younger children. There's a lot of action violence and characters dying but no blood to speak of. So, in short, enjoy The Last Jedi. Coming up, you think The Last Jedi was hotly anticipated? We delve into our vault to discover the three most anticipated film releases ever, according to Russ Matthews. And the top five themes of 2017. See you soon. Welcome back. Now, before the break, Jedi Mark Hadley went on and on about Star Wars The Last Jedi, the most anticipated movie this year in Mark's watch list. That's the same with many of you, no doubt. A regular segment we've loved bringing you on the big picture has been The Vault, where we've asked special guest reviewers to mine gold from the vast history of movies and TV. And one of those regular reviewers is Russ Matthews, who joins us in the studio for a vault we have been waiting for. Russ's most anticipated movies from his entire life. So, forget The Last Jedi, just Scratch that from your mind. Here's our resident American and the most anticipated vault segment he's ever done for us. No pressure, Russ, but good to have you here. I know. Wow. I mean, I'm feeling the pressure, but I'm excited. I'm going to take us back in time. Are oh, you? We're going to kind of travel through time. Like in a time machine, like time a DeLorean? Life. Yeah, exactly. In back kind to the like Future? That. Yeah, but Back to the Future's but you, not there. Even but you don't even film. have a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> exactly. Ah, so what Back to the I Future do? is not so, one of your most anticipated films. It is not. Ah. It was, so I'm going to go from bad to good, or great, actually, as far as the number of films. Okay. So we're going to start off, the most recently, is with the film that's called Suicide Squad. So right. you, you anticipated Suicide Squad. You were pumped for Suicide Squad? I was Squad? pumped about it, because David Ayer is the, one of the, the directors of it. Also, I thought some of the some great characters, a great cast. And the trailers were fantastic. That was it. The trailers really sold me on this whole thing. I thought it was just going to be, a, finally, that DC was going to do something of note since the Batman trilogy. And then and, what happened, Russ? And then what happens, I show up to the <laughs> film, the first act happened, <laughs> and, then it got, it got, and then maybe I was going, oh, maybe it'll get better. And then the oh. second act happened and said, hey, this isn't getting any better. <laughs> and by the third act, I wanted to throw my popcorn and my drink at the screen. I'm going, what is going on? But then this you realize film. that's the best part of your whole experience. Yes, you've actually fact, got popcorn and a drink. Exactly. Free, the free whole popcorn thing. and a drink. It, that, was, that was pretty much the only good things about Suicide wow. Squad. Wow. So that's a heavily anticipated movie in your life for us that's obviously scarred you to this point. It scarred me. So we're now moving towards better. Better. We're going to move to the good. And actually, the good actually, interestingly, brings me to a date back in the 1990s. Ah. Oh, yeah. Mm. And I, I was so excited because I actually heard about this little known film that's getting grave reviews called The Princess Bride. Oh, and yes. So the oh. Bride comes out. That's a and perfect also, date film. Yeah, yeah, it was a perfect, at least that's what I thought. But the <laughs> young lady who I wanted to take along with me wasn't too excited about it. She thought this was like a little kid's movie or something. And so we get in there, and what happens in the first few scenes? What? The grandson and the grandfather are sitting there at the end of the bed, and she's going, 
what is this? And so she's literally whinging throughout the whole film. <laughs> I'm like going, oh. So, so at this point, so two worlds have combined. You've got a really highly anticipated date and a highly anticipated movie, and one of which is working out all right, the movie side, not the date. They've That's can- exactly what's happening. They cancelled each other out. Exactly. Well, the date, I mean, the movie was great. I was totally enraptured in it. I love it. And the interesting thing about it, I never had a second date with that girl again. <laughs> yeah. But I ended up seeing that film almost every year since oh, then. So, so yeah, there was a love story after so it, it, Exactly. Okay, and your final choice for final Russ Matthews' choice. most highly anticipated movies in his entire life. Go. This goes to, if you can believe it, it's Superman from 1978. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I didn't even know you were alive then, Russ. <laughs> exactly. Thanks so much. So young. Well, you're welcome. I can remember it, it, going back to the time when you used to stand in the queue for a long period of time. Oh, yeah, people people did that. Could you explain that to people again? Yeah, where we actually had to stand in a queue in a, to wait that's to get a into line, a line. Like yeah, a why line. Didn't you, why didn't you just book tickets online, Russ? Okay, well, you know, exactly. And so my mom had gotten us in line we were all ready to go we literally got to the front of the line you got and they a cool walk- mom taking you to Superman she did yeah. she was very cool and we walk in and we walk up to the front and they go sorry folks but we are sold out oh. now, how, how long have you been waiting in the line we've been point? waiting for like hours we've oh. been waiting in the line and it was cold it was in the middle of the United States we were freezing we got there not and- even your cape could keep you warm no nothing <laughs> Is my cosplay even back then? <laughs> yeah. So then so you just we, went home. we stepped. We st- well, we stepped out of the the line, and then this little usher, probably about a 14, 15 year old, walks out. And goes, "Hey, there's a few loose seats, or actually a few um, random seats, kind of happening all over." Well, this guy that was behind us steps up to get those seats, and my mom goes, "Ho!" Four foot eleven walks up to no. We're getting those seats. And so oh, we got yeah. in. We got in. It was pretty cool. I got to sit in. And what Hell happens? Hell no fury like a middle, uh, middle western uh, mum. Mother. Yes, yeah, exactly. Middle western mum. It's easy for you to and say. And so was the movie any good? You know what? I see it. It was in the biggest screen actually in that part of the United States at the time. You see Superman. You see Christopher Reeves, Gene Hackman, Richard Donner. I love the film. And then we got to the end of the film. And at, at Christmas, I'd actually gotten this really cool beanie, you know, a little football beanie that has like the... Uh, ball on the top of it and everything like that um, for viewers who don't understand that that was cool too <laughs> Once upon a time. it was so cool yeah. except I had loved this film so much and got so excited during the film I looked down and I had pulled the yarn out of the whole hat the whole hat was literally like in pieces all over my lap at the end because I had been so excited and had loved the film that much you so, torn your own clothes off yeah so wow. even though I, I completely lost my hat or actually tipped my hat to a great movie but uh-huh. I, uh, hey but, but really in the end it was probably to me to this day one of the most anticipated films of my life wow From Russ's most anticipated movies of his entire life to one of the most anticipated parts of the Big Picture show ever. Well, at least every week. We love the top five. And the top we at least five. love we it and love anticipate the top it. Five. No, yep. we get lots of huge amounts of comments in, uh, on the top five. Thank you very much. Please stop that. That's okay. <laughs> Apart from the nice ones, they're great. And this week's top five, we thought given we're coming to a, a conclusion to this year, 2017, what better way to end it off than doing the top five themes from films in 2017. So here goes. Five. Number five, it's all good as long as it's in the name of family. That's what I thought was a quite a prominent theme this year okay. in movies. I think there all are right. some positive examples of this, like A Lion, the film earlier in the year. Um, that's a positive example of a family unit made up of different uh, compositions. Same with Lego Ninjago, dealt with broken families in a quite an interesting way. On the negative front, for it's all good as long as it's in the name of the family, Fate of the Furious and Transformers The Last Night and even, dare I say, Paddington 2. <gasps> because all of those movies demonstrate a 
various points that you can basically do anything you want, including usually illegal stuff. But it's okay as long as you say it's for a good cause, particularly if it's for your family, then it sounds even better. Yeah, and negative points are bringing back Fate of the Furious. What the? <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted, and I just wanted in the second to last program that the big picture is doing uh, to to raise Fast and Furious again for you, Mark. Just you to see the look how, on your face you know when much, I say the words, the Fate of the Furious. How much counselling has just been wasted? Okay, uh, but um, I agree with you because Wonder was a brilliant film about how family can make even the most incredible situations, the desperate situations, quite brilliant. So yeah, good choice. It's a bit of a strange one. I thought there was a bit of a vibe going on this year. If humanity is the answer to our problems, and also humanity is not the answer, so we get we get both <laughs> things get going balance. on. You get movies like Kingsman, The Golden Circle, or even Downsizing that's coming on Boxing Day that sets us up as like we're the worst and humans are terrible and we're creating all these problems. But look to us for the solution to those problems, or maybe not, as the case may be. So you get a, a, fil- a lot of films like superhero movies. Like we had some great ones this year, particularly Wonder Woman stands out for me, mm. but other not so much like the one that starred Wonder Woman, Justice League. Mm. That was, you know, yeah, not as good. Bad. Guns of the Galaxy 2 was all right as well. Spider-Man Homecoming, I really quite liked. And those movies show that humans are often the cause of our own, the problems that we get into, but we do need someone or some ones to come from outside who are superhuman or not even human to rescue us. So very interestingly, across cinema this year, I was kind of gobsmacked by these two things going on that almost, that seem quite contradictory, that serve up us as the problem and the solution, yet not the solution and also the problem. Mm. I still remain a little bit confused on that. Dunkirk was a ah. good example of this, oh, yeah. I thought. There was a reliance like throughout the film where it shows like humans in battle and going at each other, and so we've obviously caused war, and we've got to now go and stop war ourselves. But it ended on a really surprising note of pointing to where salvation is actually found outside of us of course in a guy called jesus okay and well also i just i'm just kind of curious if you brought it up for the sake of mark again that ben affleck would actually be somebody oh. to be able to save the world <laughs> yeah i'm just kind of curious about that wow i hadn't even thought of that one <laughs> and well, the hits keep coming. i know all the mark hadley favorites wrapped into one final top five and here comes number three three Racism was big in 2017. So hot right now was racism. At movies about racism. So at the start of the year, if you cast your minds back, there was hidden figures and fences within um, the first couple of weeks of the year, some African-American racism-based films. Then this year we've had everything from The Big Sick, a relationship film, Detroit, Victoria and Abdul dived Mm. into this. Suburbicon, not a great movie, but it showed the intolerance of tolerance particularly around racial divides. War for the Planet of the Apes was a racism movie, my friends. Yeah, it was indeed. Really? Wow. Those poor apes. I know, yeah, right? Think exactly. of the apes. Think of the, apes. the humans, actually. It's the poor humans. I've got to say, yeah, um, actually, the you say this, um, there have been some... Like, when you, when you mentioned Fences, I just went, wow, that is one of the... People should just rush out and go see Fences. If, I, I don't know if it's even been released on DVD yet. Yeah, I think it has. It has. Yeah. Yes, Gosh, it has. if you haven't seen that yet, my goodness, it's a brilliant film about race. This is one of those things that happens this time of year, isn't it, where people start rattling off some of the movies that actually came out this year and like, oh, that's right. Either missed it or you actually saw it and you've forgotten totally about it. It's a good time to refresh your memory. So number three, for my money, one of the biggest themes of the year, racism. Two. What does it mean to be human? 
at number two. A bunch of movies went in mm. on this. And I think in the last couple of years on The Big Picture, guys, we've talked often, particularly about this idea of creator and creature, um, people playing God, and then usually it goes bad for humanity. And, oh, my goodness, oh, what a surprise. But this year I thought there was more emphasis a little bit more on, on what it actually means to be a human, the soul, the kind of spirit of human. You get everything from Blade Runner 2049 to Alien Covenant, War for the Planet of the Apes again, even Wonder Woman and Logan, some quite big superhero releases this year, delve into what is it that makes more, what, what, this line between mortal and immortal and what actually constitutes a person. Where's the line of a person in there? Yeah, can you actually see that um, the films you've named, some of the biggest releases this year, some of the best films too this year, I mean, War for the Planet of the Apes, Logan, Blade Runner 2049, are all about who we are. Mm. You know, and, 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 and what actually defines really, us. What, what defines us. Alien Covenant, again, who we are. You're right. I mean, that's just... We're never going to put that down as a topic because we don't really know who we are. Mm. Mm. But coming at number one, gentlemen, a massive shock. One. Christian movies are okay. There's actually ah, oh, some good Christian wow. movies out there. Like we had everything this year from The Shack to Last Days in the Desert, The Young Messiah, which were which were okay and were, were Christian based, loosely Christian based. Some of them. Mark though this year even liked a Christian movie it's that true. he confessed wow. to in public, All Saints. But the reason I picked it at number one is because I thought two films from this year really stood out on the Christian front. One was Silence, the Martin Scorsese film, which is a terrific film about people wrestling with their Christian faith. But I wanted to end on the note of The Case for Christ. Because I thought The Case for Christ is one of yes. the best, like, hand-on-heart Christian movies that I've ever seen, largely because it does not do what loads of other Christian movies do. It doesn't talk down to the audience. It isn't too preachy. It doesn't treat people who aren't Christian in a horribly negative way. It's actually a good movie. It's got a good script. It's got good cast members in it. It looks good and it feels incredibly good. incredibly well acted. Yeah. yeah really well All done. of that. Really well written. And yep. a really good treatment of someone Great seeking choice. the truth about Jesus and the cost and the joy of doing so. So for my money this year, the top theme in films has to be Christian movies are okay, largely demonstrated by The Case for Christ. If somebody wanted to do an investigation into Christianity, where would you start? If the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, it's a house of cards. You sure you want to give me that loaded gun? I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to pull the trigger. I've spent my entire career as a journalist uncovering the truth. Until the day my wife presented me with the biggest story of my life. I'm not going to lose my wife and my kids to something that I can't even reason with. And what happened next changed me forever. Oh, fantastic film. If you haven't seen The Case for Christ, go out and watch it right about now. And you can do that between now and next week because the big, patch, big picture will be back because we've just put the 150th big picture show to bed. And so we're going to finish this year on show 2000. That's right. <laughs> we're jumping right over we can't the intervening even, shows we can't in order even to bring count. you the best. <laughs> and including our awards for the best family films of 2017. We also have must-watch must TV with the second season of The Crown. And our Hugh Jackman is back in the limelight with The Greatest Showman. We will be The Greatest Showman next week. I'll be Ben McKechn. And I'll still be Mark Hadley. See you then. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.